Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me is a very special guest who I basically bombarded on TikTok. Uh, he's an actor, voice coach, and teacher based in Miami. It's Saheed Pebon. I hope Hi, I said everyone. your name right. <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs> Hi. Thank you so much for saying yes to this. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, and you picked Rent. Now, were you part of the Rentaissance? Yeah, if you will? <laughs> yeah. I think I think I stumbled upon it in high school, like most people ten years older than me did. You know, in '95, people stumbled upon it and were like, "This is incredible." And then ten years later, that our generation was like, "Oh my god, this is awesome!" And unfortunately, the generation after us was like, "What? What? Wicked? <laughs> What's the show? Dear Evan Hansen? What? <laughs> yeah, this is Dear Evan Hansen wannabe music." Because <laughs> yeah, uh, I definitely was. When we were in high school, the definitely the this is when the this movie that we're going to talk about came mm-hmm. out. Besides you being part of the Renaissance, is there any other reason why you wanted to like pick this movie? I think honestly, it was just that this was hands down one of my favorite musicals growing up. And I feel like it helped shape me as a performer. It helped me, it helped me realize how musicals grabbed onto different themes from whether, whether it's classical music or real world situations. This was just kind of one of those shows that showed you not everything necessarily has a happy ending and it shows you a bit more of a grittier side to life com- accompanied with like pop, pop rock music with a little bit of like a uh, techno vibe for, for some songs like today for you. Uh, it had, it had a little bit of a different taste for every song. There's a little bit of soul and gospel. There was a little bit of just like girl power, rock pop so- sounds. It just had everything in it. And then it was also somewhat revolutionary for like the LGBT plus community. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because there was representation on stage representation and, you know, it tackled a really heavy subject that, you know, even to this day with everything that has happened and how we've moved forward in, in um, medical advances, you know, we, we tackle something as serious as HIV and AIDS, you know, um, the show or the movie, because we're talking about the movie, it didn't shy away from it at all you know it didn't shy away from it at all and that was um that was shocking you know especially when I saw the movie and when I first was introduced to the musical in high school I was a little closeted gay boy in a private catholic school so Mm -hmm. you know I could not show my true colors and to see a musical talk about LGBTQ community the community as a whole uh to talk about drag queens to talk about HIV and AIDS to talk about all these things that for me I was just learning about everything it was it was incredible and I'm glad that it didn't shy away from it I feel like some stuff nowadays has have has chosen to uh take the more in quote woke route and kind of not hit not be too direct on certain things and try to weave their way through right I mean and also you have two gay couples Mm -hmm. as part of the main cast Mm mm-hmm So it was, that's a little more how it was revolutionary. It wasn't the fact, not only did you have, did you see the representation, but like, they are the leads. They're not just some random 
secondary character that right and they weren't even even a character like angel it mm. wasn't the you know the the quintessential again in air quotes the sissy role like it wasn't this hysterically flamboyant comedic role it was a well-grounded she was a well-grounded central character that all she wanted to do is just unite everyone it wasn't there was no yes she was sassy but you know of course that's part of the character but it wasn't ever po- made to poke fun at or to uh hyperbolize the the gay stereotype right little background on the movie before we get in way yeah, too deep good. into it uh red came out in 2005 oh such a sub such a different time back then. Simpler time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so happy that you picked it because, like, I have 16 years worth of thoughts to, that I need to, like, expel. The screenplay was by Stephen Chbosky. Do you recognize that name? I sure do. Okay. One of my favorite books, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, I carry uh, that book with me every day in high school. <laughs> oh, same here. <laughs> Oh God, are we the same person? Oh, no. <laughs> um, with the book, music, and lyrics by Jonathan Larson, directed by Chris Columbus, and according to IMDb, this is the film version of the Pulitzer and Tony Award-winning musical about Bohemians in the East Village of New York City struggling with life, love, and AIDS, and the impacts that they have on America. I mean, kind of. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, basically, I mean, <laughs> you want you want the the short abridged version. What's this? What's going on in the movie? There you go. <laughs> there you go. Have you have you ever worked on on the stage version of it? I have not. I've done I've done songs from it. Um, I directed in college. I directed the Tango Maureen, and when I was in high school, um, actually, he's on TikTok. I his his um his handle escapes me right now. But have you seen the guy who? does all this walking in high heels with his little posse of of fellow gays and Probably. queer people he just walks and he his name's barry brandon and um he does these fabulous videos of him and his friends just walking in high heels trying their stuff like nobody's business um well when i was in high school we did a benefit concert for him i was part of a theater group that did a benefit concert for him because he was going through open heart surgery oh shit so, and it was like I want to say i think it was his fourth open heart surgery or something like that so one of the songs we sang which is one of my personal favorites from the movie uh was will i and we were all scattered about all over the place scattered about the theater and we would just pop up and start singing and all of a sudden it just became around just hearing different voices bounce off the space um oof, goosebumps goosies a little goosey <laughs> my but yeah se- i was gonna say my senior year of high school I basically convinced myself and my I tried to convince my friends that I was Mark. Nice. I didn't have the blonde hair, but I had the glasses and I found a scarf somewhere. And I was just like, I'm Mark. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. Don't ever think otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wanted to do the show. I, I still want to do the show. I feel like now, I mean, granted, they're supposed to be like early 20s, except more, <laughs> except uh, Mimi. She's supposed to be 19. She's supposed to be 19. But, um, you know, I still would love to be a part of that show. It's definitely a dream role, a dream show. I would love to be a part of it. I think it's such a good show. I designed it with teenagers. Nice. So you can do it with teenagers. They cut contact like the movie. (sighs) That's a whole, we'll we'll, we'll get there. The cut content from the movie, it it made me a little angry when I watched it. So many Uh, songs cut. 
So you you were kind of talking about Angel before. Mm-hmm. How, and I know that there's a little bit of a debate around how she identifies. Mm-hmm. What's your take on it? Like, is, is Angel really a drag queen? Is she uh, transgendered? Because that word wasn't really around at the time. That word wasn't really around at the time. And... Um... Or do you feel like she's like Alex Newell in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist and just... Good series. Yeah, where you you use the masculine pronouns, but um, wearing fabulous outfits. You know, that, that's a good point. Because, you know, I was I was thinking about when they're doing the eulogies in the movie. And oh, how, don't make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> and how um, Mark is the only one who corrects, like, corrects himself when it comes to gendering Angel. I don't know. I that's a that's a question that kind of just I guess we can leave it in the ether and that's up to whomever decides to tackle the role. You know, I feel like now in this day and age, it can be just a gender fluid person. It could just be a queer person exploring their femininity. It could be a drag queen, it could be a transgender person. At the end of the day, it's the the simplest answer is whoever whatever Angel likes is what sh- what Angel's doing whether it's that they're dressing in drag because it makes them feel cute and adventurous, or if it's just a persona that they wear. I don't know if it's a gender, it's a question of gender as opposed to just an expression of what makes them happy. Okay. That, that makes sense. I mean, in the movie, they call her a drag queen. That's, that was the only, that was really the only thing. And I know other people have, have been uh, saying that like, really, angels trans because like drag queen is a more of like a job title Mm -hmm. and you see her outside of performing dressed up in full outfit yeah and i mean also you think back to the live production that happened a few uh two years back i think where we had valentina I didn't watch I didn't it. Watch it. <laughs> I did not watch it. <laughs> I chose not to watch it either. But I did see I did see snippets. Um I did see snippets because that was a bit of a, a hot mess express with like, you know, the arm uh, Roger's arm breaking and uh, you know, just the cast was a bit of a it was an it was an it was a good cast, but it was just a little rushed. I felt like the production got a little rushed. Dude. But you know, casting Valentina after her drag race fame to play a role as challenging as as uh, Angel. I mean, I commend them for trying to, to put her in that role, but I, you know, people will immediately now assume, oh, well, it has to be a drag queen. Angel's a drag queen. Angel's a drag queen. It depends. I guess it depends on the director's view and it depends on the, the actors. actors portraying. I know that I, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Wilson Germain Heredia, who originated Angel, is identifying, is a straight identifying male, which I found fascinating. He is. And I know that when the movie came out, his kids, because mm-hmm. he married to a woman has children his kids were like bullied because, because his dad wore a dress and yeah mm-hmm. and i was like my my dad had a job like whatever <laughs> my dad makes money off this movie my dad's famous you're... <laughs> yeah, i'm sorry my what's dad's... your dad do <laughs> <laughs> obviously there's the stage version that was worked on from it was originally conceived by billy anderson in 1988 eight mm-hmm. i want to say and then he brought in jonathan larson a year later and um larson like in 91 apparently took over everything mm-hmm. uh, but made an agreement with aronson saying hey if it goes to broadway we'll give you some like writing credit 
This is all from Wikipedia, by the way. I'm not I'm <laughs> not a genius when it comes to all this stuff. Okay. So <laughs> I just want to give a little background just to like a little disclaimer time and and to add more to the conversation. Did yeah. you know though that the musical is based uh, off, of a, of, off of an opera piece? Well, no, that that's easy. <laughs> Everyone knows that one. Well, you'd be surprised. Some kids, some people would be like, "What? That's mind blowing." <laughs> we'll get to, we'll get to that. But there was <laughs> I was reading about uh, a lawsuit that happened when it was originally cons- like moving to Broadway. Mm-hmm. That some there was a dramaturg hired to. Um, help with obviously the script and everything she couldn't cite what she helped fix so like the judge obviously went in favor of the larson estate right and this was after he passed away so something that was like a bit of a a shock not a bit of a a huge shock to both the cast and the crew and the entire artistic team because it just came so suddenly but i'm sure we'll talk about that later well we can talk about that now where it opened at New York Theater Workshop on the 100th anniversary of La Boheme, which was like the source material, if mm-hmm. you will. <laughs> and he doesn't hide it. <laughs> like, no, I mean, like anywhere you mention, anytime they talk about it, they're just like it's it's based off of Puccini's La Boheme, and that's that's that. Like literally, there's a girl named Mimi in it, and like very, very to the point on the nose. Oh yeah, you have Mimi, Rodolfo, Marcello, Chouinard. Colleen and Benoit. Mm-hmm. The only one hey, those is, all sound familiar. The only one who's not there is Maureen. No, more well, yeah, Maureen's not there, who is Musetta, and mm-hmm. Joanne is Alchindoro. Gazoon type. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like those six names, you're just like, okay, we kinda We get it. We get we it. see what you're doing here, Mr. Larson. And then also And this is all on the Wikipedia page. So you all can read all you want about it. Obviously, he does Musetta's Waltz. And he mentions that. It's quite a recurring theme, especially toward the end. And also some of the the melodies from the arias are used in the music of the song, of the, of For Rent, which is very Mm. fascinating. And I never really thought of that. I mean... it's just that, that that like cross hybrid <laughs> hybridization is just oh, oh it's so good. good. Show. <laughs> it's so it's such a good show. And then I think I talked about this on my Smash season two episode because obviously they were they pulled influence for that mm-hmm. with Hit List, where they were doing a just like reading, but like you know they were doing the show and it was bare wasn't like fully acted out and i think it was until lovey bohem that's when they started like getting energy and doing and then they did the show from then on if i remember like the stories correctly <laughs> <laughs> have you heard anything different is that my my right in my <laughs> in my brain with this one um i i i think, <laughs> I think. <laughs> jonathan larson died on the first preview night mm-hmm. in January 96 and then it moved to Broadway in April 96 and it became the 11th longest running show on Broadway to date. Mm-hmm. I always had this dream of going to New York City and seeing Rent on Broadway before it closed 
No. <laughs> and I didn't get to, sadly. Um, but I, you know, thankfully, the night they closed, they did the uh, the multi shot mm. version of Rent, which listen, people can fight me. <laughs> I think it's just as good as the original cast. I honestly have not seen it. I've, oh. I've I mean, I've seen the show. I'm not gonna lie, I've seen the show. No, no, the, the final production. Have you seen it? No, oh. not the taped version of it. <laughs> it's you know, like just some standouts. You have Renee Lee Scoldsberry. You have um, uh, bu- 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 Will Chase. You have Adam play? Will Chase plays Roger. And he <laughs> is, and I, I might be fangirling here. He is like, he is Roger. It is so good. He, he like, I, him singing one song, Glory, just like shatters my heart. And then he just squishes it. Mm. It's so good. And it, he actually, it, I, that can be a whole nother episode. It's just like, <laughs> it's so freaking good. Oh. Like, like, oh my God. So, how would you classify the show though? Would you classify it as a rock opera or an operetta? Academically, it's called an operetta because it's <laughs> entirely sung through. Right. But I consider it a rock opera, just like a Jesus Christ superstar. It's sung through in its entirety, but it's powered and driven by mostly rock music. Because you've, I think it's what forty-two songs is what they landed on. Yeah, yeah, on the on the Broadway. Yes, on the Broadway. Uh, in this one, I mean, there's still a lot of songs. It's twenty-six oh, yeah. songs. They cut out, but they cut out all the good songs that I wanted them to film. Well, I so, was like fast. I was like fantasizing about how they would they would like film certain songs, and then they never showed up. And I'm still a little bitter about that. But there are 10 songs that they basically turned into dialogue. Mm-hmm. All, the then, became, all the tune-ups became... The tune-ups uh, and the voicemails became dialogue. dialogue. And, and even then, can... they cut some of the voicemails. Yes. Because we don't have that voicemail number five where it's all the parents. All the parents. And, mm-hmm. But instead, they gave, you, they gave us a different voicemail, which is the whole ending... Of all looking for Mimi and all Looking for stuff. Mimi and all that. Okay, so you like Contact, which they cut. I The two that I was... Three, I'm sorry. The three that I love that were taken out, but one survived in the final cut of the soundtrack. Christmas Bells, A. <gasps> yes. Um, Contact, obviously. And Goodbye Love. Goodbye Love made it to the soundtrack, but it never made it into the movie. The first half did. No, the first half did, but I'm saying the part where oh, yeah, yeah, we hear, I hear there are great mm-hmm. restaurants out west, some of the best, mm-hmm. how could she? That whole part with Roger and Mimi and then Mimi saying hello, disease, all that. Yeah. I also liked We're Okay. And I was just like, why did you cut this song? Oh, that that is a good song. That is a good song. It, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, so yeah, Halloween was also recorded, filmed, but cut. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you have the DVD, which I'm pretty sure you do, I do. <laughs> you can, sure you can find them on there. I was also reading. Okay, so my sources are Wikipedia and IMDb for this part for like my okay. trivia bits. <laughs> I like to cite my sources because I know I now I have a teacher on now, so I'm citing. Thank you, Charlie. Sure. I appreciate you <laughs> citing your sources. Uh, so obviously, this movie has six out of the eight original cast members come back. Mm-hmm. 
right? Six. Yeah. The only ones who aren't are Daphne Rune Vega and oh, her name escapes me. The girl who pl- originated uh, Joanne. Freddie Walker Jones. There you go. Daphne Rubin, Daphne Rubin Vega at the time was pregnant, so she mm-hmm. couldn't mm-hmm. come back. But I think and, Rosario Dawson did such a good job. Like, <laughs> as gay as I am, I had such a hard crush on her. I was like, you're gorgeous. You're talented. Oh. Out Tonight <laughs> is my song. Like, I don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yes, yes. You better, um, you better kick your face. Yes. <laughs> and then Freddie Walker Jones, she typed herself out because, okay, so we know that the cast, they're all, some of them are a little too old for their roles. Yeah, they're, they're supposed to be in their early 20s and some of them look like they're in their 30s. Because they are. <laughs> Nothing wrong uh, with that. And, but Freddie Walker Jones uh, told producers and everything, she's like, I'm too old for this. I can't. So that's why she didn't do it. The ones, though, that I would argue are Benny and Collins. Mm. Like, I feel like those two roles, you could play them older and still... You could. You could. Um, uh, remind me, uh, I'm blanking out on names this morning. It might be just the second dose of Pfizer coursing through my veins. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Jesse L. Martin. Yes. Jesse L. Martin. One of the things that I, I applaud him for, and you know, we we can talk about this also. He brought a level of diff, uh, a little bit of different uh, vocals to to his songs. He made it a lot more of his own, I think. And he had the cast as a whole had a lot of fun with bringing their roles back. But I think if we talk about somebody who had the most fun, I think it was Jesse L. Martin. Oh my God, he looked like a kid in the candy store every time. He was stealing zines left and right. The whole uh, take me or leave me, watching him in the background mm-hmm. is, the, is the best thing ever. And, you know, he's having so much fun. And Which you can makes, tell... And even, no, you, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, you first. Sorry, I was, I was saying you could go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, even Wilson uh, Jermaine Heredia like had so much fun reliving angel like um, after today for you which that jump that he does from the floor to the table that was Mm -hmm. like the first take they did a second take where he caught his knees he landed on his knees so that was that was one take but like after that you know where he leaves and he's like bouncing and waving (laughs) goodbye yeah you can tell he they're having so much fun uh whenever they can obviously mark which made the i'm sorry spoiler alert in three two one which made angel's death heart-wrenching i mean the movie is 16 years old and the show is i was watching uh, just watching it this week i was watching this week and i was sobbing so when did you start crying before (laughs) i'll cover you reprise (laughs) (laughs) um i started crying in will i Will I always gets me. I feel like it's such a simple tune, but the words just resonate with you. I had, yeah, Will I got me, for whatever reason as well, La Vie Boheme A got me. And like, I, so you know on TikTok that trend of like, you know, what li- um, what doesn't deserve to live in your head or whatever it is. What lives rent, rent free in your head? Not the video, but like any uh, something that you can cite hands down, and mm-hmm. that is 
Love you, Boem, Mark's part. I can do that backwards, forwards in my sleep, upside right. down while eating yogurt. And <laughs> for whatever reason, though, I just started crying while watching it. You made me cry. You know what I think it is? And maybe as a teacher now, I, I see it more. You know, you look on TikTok, you look on social media, you look at all these places and we have our comedy. You know, people find ways of making us laugh. But a lot of the comedy becomes this self-deprecating like nasty humor like you're poking fun at your own traumas you're poking fun at you know everything bad that's happened in your life that's going wrong in your life you look at oh you know another moment just a quick sidebar that made me tear up was i'll cover you the first one not the reprise oh because the the reprise i'm dead as soon oh no the the reprise just dig me a dig me a coffee dig me a grave and just bury me right then and there because it's heartbreaking as soon as they show you the church i'm just like done i'm done Mm -hmm. i can't Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it breaks it, it just ugh, it's so good but you know you look at you look at this cast and i think this cast is like a prime example of how wonderful it is to just have fun this yeah. cast was so connected and had so much fun and okay let's let's all be real like this isn't necessarily a happy-go-lucky musical by any means it has happy moments but we're also talking about some drug addicts that got hiv you know, gay people that got HIV, <laughs> you know, people who die from AIDS, you know, it's not necessarily the happiest musical per se, but it has a, a, a silver lining, you know, but, you know, it's all about family at the end of the day. And yeah. when was the last time you've ever had this sort of connection with some, with a group of your friends like this, that didn't involve, it didn't involve rehashing negative trauma that didn't involve using something that's that's ruined your life as a source of humor these people are genuinely happy to be around each other and these people are genuinely happy having fun with each other and you can see it in numbers like la vie bohème you can see it in numbers like uh over the moon you can see it in those numbers where there's this unbridled camaraderie camaraderie it's just this generation is lacking that this generation just grabs their phones and goes look how funny this is as opposed to creating that humor themselves Damn. Okay, my TED talk. <laughs> Damn. I don't know how to follow that up if I'm going to be totally honest. <laughs> I'm just, it's just watching, watching the show, the, the movie, I would, I'd pause it with my partner and I'd just kind of like talk to him about it and be like, this is just like, when was the last time you saw this in the show? When was the last time you saw, when, when was the last time you felt this? Like I was getting teary eyed because, you know, when you think about the movie, obviously um, Collins loses his coat in the beginning of the show mm-hmm. yeah and then we fast forward to i'll cover you and the simple act of angel getting collins a coat it, like obviously it would have been done so much better if they did christmas bells because they had that whole little bartering scene yeah. uh, and uh, uh the i do not deserve you angel and the cacophony of sound at the end where, oh. uh where it gets that, i think that cacophony of sound made me go I want to study this. I want to do these. <laughs> like it just—it was so much noise, but it all was beautiful at the same time. But yeah, it's just like those simple acts of kindness. Just they floored me, and then also I freaked out because I'm a Disney buff. And when I first found out that Aaron Lore, i.e. the uh, original, uh, the original singing voice for Max in a Goofy movie and Matt in Bear was in Rent the movie, I freaked out. <laughs> Well, it's funny because I was re- as I was rewatching it for this episode, Gordon, the guy that sings 
in life support, mm-hmm. which I'm happy they changed it because I think he's supposed to be on the phone, like calling in somewhere. Or that um, may have been a production I saw. That, that It might have been a production you saw because I'm, I'm pretty sure they're all still in life support. You're talking about the uh, look I find, some it's of what you teach, teach suspect. suspect. I think they're all in life support. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the guy that plays Gordon, mm-hmm. um, he's he was on Gilmore Girls. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's in the college years. He plays Marty, uh, who okay. has a crush on Rory. And I was watching it, and I was just like, is that Marty? Is that Marty in the background right there? <laughs> How did you feel about them putting Seasons of Love at the beginning? It's uh, It shocked me. But I also, I was expecting, prior to the movie, I was expecting it to be all the songs. I thought it was going to be all 42 songs, or maybe 40 songs, filled in a la rock opera mm-hmm. and to start with seasons of love i mean it made sense because i was like okay cool hi these are your your what eight six eight. main characters eight main characters these are these recognize these remember these faces these are the faces you're going to see throughout the next two hours it made sense because it also gave us a nice bounce off point to go into seasons of love b yeah which if replace happy new year so because in the show seasons of love happens after the intermission right it's the act it comes back for the act two beginning. Mm-hmm. So by having it at the beginning, it doesn't feel like you're stopping the flow. Right. If anything, you're being eased into it because then after that you get, <laughs> excuse me for being so blunt, you're getting railed with mm-hmm. rents. You just have that. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Everyone likes to get railed by rent. Um, but, <laughs> but it, if you, I think you could find it. I think they actually filmed it because I do remember seeing uh, on the DVD as like an alternative ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, they end it. They bookend it where they are back on the stage with love heels. Not with love heels. It's oh. the it's um, finale B at the end on the stage. I'll die yeah. with yeah that part where they're all on stage except for Angel whose spotlight is still on, but like, he's not there. I know. <laughs> I think I, I, I read that as the trivia on IMDb. And I feel like I remember seeing that as like a special feature. I th- you know, you mention it and it like, maybe for me, it's like the Mandela effect. I, I think <laughs> you're right. Cause it seems, it seems, and I, somewhere in the back of my mind, I remember it, but I'm like, did it really happen? Or am I just like, the astral project into that reality like what happened um but yeah no i mean it it makes sense and i i think it's a gorgeous way to end the the movie starting where we left off like top show started on stage end of show should end up finish on stage yeah so this way you're just like okay so this was uh this it pays homage to it being i mean chris columbus didn't spare us any feelings because we were all we're all sobs like heaps of wet human flesh by the the end of it yes um what else oh yeah so you mentioned love heels mm-hmm. that doesn't ever happen you know crucify me i i don't okay. care much for it i mean it's a it's a good song not every song is my favorite you know but like i like that they put <laughs> that they made the effort to put a song in that's new that seemed to be the trend in the 2000s to bring in a musical movie and then add a new song because then hairspray did the same thing with well, when, wait when did love heels happen or did they love heels was just a bonus track 
Oh, so okay, the bonus track. Because yeah. I was, I was like, I just watched this. Oh, it was the, it was the credits. I think I think it was the credits. I didn't even hear it in the credits. I like I I finished watching it this week and I didn't even get to the credits because I was you know not only dying slowly of the Pfizer vaccine, but I was also a sobbing mess of a man in my couch. But um, I think it's the credit. I think it's the credit music. If not, it's a special features. Because um, like I know on the. Uh, original Broadway album mm-hmm. they have that one track with Stevie Wonder it's just Seasons of Love with Stevie yeah so I think that's what they were trying to do though where they were like pay homage and then clearly they didn't stick it into the movie in hopes of the yeah. um, I almost said Tony that's the wrong award <laughs> uh, in hopes the Pulitzer? no in hopes of the Academy Award for original song Oh yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. That's what they—that's what they usually do. So, like in Cats, with uh, beautiful ghosts, they were—they were gunning, and weren't even nominated for it. Um, but yeah, Love Heals is just one of those songs that it had the vibe of Rent, but it wasn't Rent. You know what I mean? It's like if they were because I know they're bringing it back to New York. I think this year once Broadway opens up again, they are. Mm-hmm. There was I saw I saw an announcement that they're bringing back Rent. So I think I don't know if it's off Broadway or on Broadway, but I think they're bringing it back. But it's like it's like them doing rents and then adding Love Heals because it was like the underappreciated track of the century. It just it doesn't it doesn't necessarily fit in the story in my eyes. So while whilst researching this for my term paper that is this episode of a podcast, <laughs> I read that Jonathan Larson wrote somewhere about a hundred songs mm-hmm. for this and like. When he present, obviously he had he kept editing it and editing it, and when he first brought it to New York Theater Workshop, they had to do more edits to it. So mm-hmm. yeah, he had a lot of he he worked his ass off to do this show. And um, for a little trivia, I'm sure you already know this, but for your for your listeners, if you want to hear like a taste of what Rent was or was going to become, uh, Jonathan Larson wrote a musical called Tick Tick Boom. <gasps> the movie mm-hmm. should be coming out. I don't know. I, it's I don't know if the I movie is here. The movie. I'm so excited for that one, though. That one's gonna be. That's gonna be great because, like, you know, it's a little nod because a lot of people don't. They're like, oh yeah, Jonathan Larson wrote, wrote Rent. Well, he also before Rent wrote Tick Tick Boom, and that's. It was kind of like a precursor because it was a bit about his life. It was more of an autobiographical piece, and some of the characters, the, t- the other two characters, were really close to him and it has sonically the sound of Rent. There are certain numbers where you're like, oh, this is Rent. And then all of a sudden this phenomenon of a show, Rent comes out and you're like, oh, where did he get this inspiration from? Once you listen to Tick, Tick, Boom, you go, oh, you start to make the connection. You see the the realization of what Jonathan was thinking about while he was creating it. He also, he also wrote a third musical. Oh, yes. Or did he? Yeah, he wrote... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm now on his. Sorry, the teacher page. and me. The teacher and me doubted you. You're like, I went. Let me see if he. Let, let's see what he has to say. And I think I scared you off that way. He he wrote <laughs> Super Bia, which is a futuristic yeah. rock retelling of 1984. Mm-hmm. Suburbia. Yep. Suburbia. Yeah. Suburbia. Yeah. Like like Jesus of Suburbia. Yeah. So he has he has other works out there. It's just that rent... none, none to the acclaim that was Rent. And then even so, I mean, I hate to say this, but like, I think him dying helped it become as popular. 
I think um, here's here's the thing. I think, you know, because back in the 90s, for the kiddos out there who are listening, we didn't really have social media. No. So, so news of Jonathan Larson's passing would not have surfaced within 20 seconds of his passing. You know, relationships were much more, sorry, I'm going to go back to like teacher mode for a second. Relationships were so much more important. Not that they're not important now, but the importance of being in the moment and building whatever is right in front of you, that was what value, what was more valuable. So, you know, I think once Jonathan's passing happened, it pushed the cast and the artistic team, it pushed them to do what was right for Jonathan in honor of him, like to do this show in his honor, because, you know, nowadays somebody passes and, everyone goes, I hate to say these words, thoughts and prayers. You write those three words on a computer and you think you've done your job. You know, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. And I respect that. The sentiment is there. But when you get to a performance, thoughts and prayers doesn't really cut it. You know, when you're going to do a show, you have to give your all when you're performing. You have to do your best. And when Jonathan passed, it, it felt like the only way that this company of actors could do something for him was to just give the like one hell of a show. And I mean, it shows it stood the test of time for what, 12 years, 13 years. Yeah. It was on Broadway for, from like 96 until about 2008, something like that. Something like that. Cause I was still in high school when, when it left and then it went back, it went off Broadway for a little bit. I think. It never came back on Broadway. But it went off Broadway, right? It went off Broadway for yes. like a, a, for a little run off Broadway. And I think now it's coming back off Broadway or on Broadway, whichever one it is. But um you get what I'm saying? Like I feel like back that back in the day, since we couldn't just post about it, about something tragic, we had to carry it with us more so than what we would now. And I feel like that's what made the show really stand out. That there was this unfettered like pouring of emotion you know what i mean it was this pouring of emotion every time they were on stage like reading anthony rapp's autobiography without you i got to see a bit more of a first-hand experience in it and hearing him speak i mean we talked about that earlier like before we started recording like you, you know we both got to see him <laughs> we both we got, got to see him, see talk him talk about yeah it was uh anthony rapp come on the pod <laughs> but anthony. i mean this movie, uh, not movie, this show, if you look at like the list of longest running shows, mm-hmm. it it's one of the few that doesn't count their revivals as well. Mm-hmm. So like you have Phantom on there, Wicked, uh, Cats, I think they count the revival mm-hmm. as part of the performances. I think so Lion King is another one, right? Lion King is third. Chicago. Chicago, the Chicago revival is what they're counting. They don't count the mm-hmm. original one. Okay. Uh, but like this one is another one where it was like, it was 20 years on Broadway. That I mean, like that's superb. Like yeah, 20, I wish. 22 years on Broadway and it's number 11. Like that's nothing to scoff about. Mm-mm. Especially uh, like you think, you think about the nature of the show. Like let's just hop back to the nature of the show. It's not a show that, um, you know, uh, it, it's not for every palette. You know what I mean? No. It, you, like, I know that my mom, hey, mom, if you're listening to this podcast, hi. 
Um, you know, my I'm mom. Sorry, not not twenty years. Uh, Ten years. I'm. 10 years, I can't. Yeah. I can't math, math. Math. Math is hard. We're theater people. People, not theory. not mathematicians. <laughs> the most I can do is count to four or eight, depending on what time signature. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> um, but you know, like my mom would not want to see a show like Rent because my mom is the type of theater goer who would rather watch something that has a happy ending, something that makes her feel good when she leaves, whatever that means. You know. I mean, if you do it right, I feel like I've seen productions of it where Angel comes out, so you get. You still get a bit of closure by the end of it, yeah. You get closure, but you're also crying because, like, hey, you got so all the emotions Evan Hansen. going. <laughs> so Dear Evan Hansen all over again. Great. <laughs> oh, no. Not Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> that show's depressing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, oh, let's do Sharps and Flats. I like let's this. go into Sharp and Flat. Puns. Sharp. Flat. We're going to highlight some moments that we either talked about or we didn't talk about. And if we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it, it's flat. Sounds good. Um, Obviously. So uh, what are your sharps? If you have any, I mean, I mean the whole, the whole, the whole show. I I think one of the things that we didn't really talk per se about, but I think it's, it should be noted bringing a show from the good old days of CDs and tapes, cassette tapes, uh, obviously the sound quality is going to be a little different, you know, hearing the orchestrations, the reorchestrations of some of these pieces mm-hmm. really gives it a little more, uh, zhuzh. you know, you feel a little more soul in the heart wrenching stuff. You feel a little more drive in like what you own in rent. You feel that, that driving guitar and that driving drum beat. So, uh, I think the sound is definitely going to be something that I say is a sharp, the the cast additions, Tracy Toms and Rosario Dawson, are definitely a, a sharp. I think that bringing two new faces, or new, because most people maybe recognize Rosario Dawson as uh, in Josie and the Pussycats, because that's where I knew her from. <laughs> where I knew she, her from that. She didn't actually sing on that. That was, I think she was dubbed, if I remember correctly. Really? <gasps> Well, I, I saw her. I was like, oh my God, she has like swagger. I wish I had. I wish I had like an eighth of the swagger she has. But, you know, I definitely I definitely think that those two additions to the cast really made Rent a great movie adaptation, especially because then later down the road, Tracy Toms, who was the original Joanne in the movie, became the last Joanne ever on Broadway. Right. Um, she so, did the reverse of everyone else. <laughs> yeah, she did the reverse of everyone else. But still, she, I mean, I think, I think in a sense that helped her because she already had built some sort of character growth from doing the movie. She got a little bit more of that intimate workshopping stuff in the movie. And then obviously you got to tackle things like we're okay and all the other stuff that we didn't really get to see in the movie. Yeah, what about you? What are some sharps? Oh, oh, oh. I love being <laughs> asked on my own podcast. Um, I agree with you, Rosario Dawson, Tracy Thompson, and Jesse L. Martin, because he yes. just steals every scene. Um, Angel was a huge sharp for me. Those shoes, I did a, uh, I told, I mentioned this, I did a production with teenagers, mm-hmm. and the shoes that we got for Angel were pleather, cheaply made basically like you look at them and the and the heel pops off so the fact that during today for you we're talking about the the santa claus king you sort of yeah 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 the during that whole sequence i'm just like those shoes are magic i don't know what they do 
beautiful. I fucking love Out Tonight and I'll Cover You reprise. Yes. Just wanted to give them a super shout out. The iconic shot of the seven leads, because Benny's not part of it, in La Vibo MB. Mm-hmm. You know, with Mark being the seventh wheel, just rocking out. Poor poor Mark, yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are moments where I was like, oh, Mark. <laughs> I um, forget you are the seventh wheel. <laughs> and then casting Sarah Silverman as Alexi Darling. Like, if they're Talk about like an unexpected casting. St- if, you, if you're going to go stunt casting, that's like a good one to do. And maybe it's not that big of a stunt because no offense, no shade, but it's like it's not such a big role where it's like if it's not done well, it ruins the whole production. You know? Right. But like she's she's another named person that they can <laughs> draw from her crowd. And like that w- one scene that she basically gets, I mean, you do see her a couple of times, but the one scene where she's actually talking, it's like it makes sense that you would yeah. cast her. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I know we call this section sharp and flat, but I actually have what I'm going to dub a natural. Look at you using music theory. I love it. No. So like my natural, I wrote it down, Tango Maureen. I loved the fact that there's a dance break and that mm-hmm. it's great and all that, but I didn't like that it was heteronormative. Yeah. But like, I still really like it. So I'm just, I was very no, conflicted. I like, I like, I'm like the, cause I like the, I agree with you on that. I like the fact that there's that dance break. Cause we do get to see, at least we see, you know, that tension between Mark and Joanne in their tango. Then we see all like the only non heteronormative thing we see is, you know, Maureen dancing with a girl and a guy kissing a girl, kissing a guy. You know? Right. But I, I agree. But then again, we have to remind ourselves and, you know, we think that it's crazy to think it like this, but, you know, we come from a bit of a different time, like 2000. We want to say that we've like 2000s were woke, but like 2005 compared were... to 2021. Just let that sink in for a second. I know. 2005, 2021. Know. The, the 16 years, a lot has happened. The, yeah, but, exactly. But like for a show that, as I said, is so prolific with the LGBT plus community, mm-hmm. you would think. A little detail like that could have gotten away. I, like, we could have gotten away with it. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. It, sorry, it just makes me think, uh, what do you think is going to happen? Like, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, because I'm sure I saw it on, on Playbill or something. What do you think is going to happen when they bring it off Broadway or Broadway again? It's already deemed a period piece, so... I hope it stays in the 80s. Yeah. Um, but I just... the. Some of the costuming from the original show, I questioned it personally. Yeah. The electric blue hot pants, come on, come on. Like, Listen, Mimi gets a chance to wear those once in a blue moon. Let her be. <laughs> it's the cat scratch glove for crying out loud. I mean, I, I liked more what they did with her in the movie where she's in sexy, lacy underwear, you know? Oh, yeah, but you know. Made me question myself a little bit. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Sayid, what are your flats? I'm always going to stick by this because I'm just, I like my stuff. I wish that they would have done Contact. I wish they would have done Christmas Bells. I wish they would have done a lot of the stuff. I could have done without the tune-ups. I'm glad that they didn't do the tune-ups and the voicemails. I'm fine with those. I just was eagerly anticipating that buildup of Christmas Bells because then we actually got to see a little bit of the relationships that we're building, you know, we have that moment that was already shown and I'll cover you, but 
you know, that bar, the barter between uh, Angel and the coat salesman, which is ultimately Collins's coat. We see that relationship start to build. We see the relationship between Mark and Mimi and Roger. They all kind of get to chat. We see the budding relationship between Roger and Mimi and they start to build. Like we start to see everyone's relationship grow a little bit more. And I feel like not that we don't get it in the movie, but we get it to a lesser extent. And obviously <laughs> contact for those well, who don't know what contact is. <laughs> I mean, also, Contact is a song that's probably hard to figure out how to film it. Right. And I think if they would have if they would have filmed it, obviously, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the movie was rated PG-13, right? Yeah. Yeah, it would have gone straight to an R rating. And I don't think <laughs> I don't think uh, Chris Columbus, after his Harry Potter fame, would have wanted that, you know? <laughs> you never so, know. Um, Actors like to... Like all those Disney kid, uh, Disney Channel actors are like, let's go do a sex tape or whatever. So OnlyFans. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I would have loved to see what they would have done with Contact because I think that Contact as a whole in a number, I mean, you, the stage, the staging of it was, if I'm not mistaken, it's all it's this giant like flowy cloth, like a white flowy cloth. And you and just see arms and arms hair and legs yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. But I could only imagine like in my mind's eye, not that I'm a film director or anything, but in my mind's eye, I could have just imagined each of them in their own little personal, you know, intimate room, whether it's like Angel and Angel and Collins are de- dealing with their own thing. You know, Mimi and Roger are in their bedroom. You know, Maureen and Joanne are in the back of a club somewhere. I don't know. You know, all that good stuff. And just it, it almost like, I'm gonna I'm gonna date myself here. Queers folk, like the club scenes in Queers Folk, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that sort of like just like hot, sticky, sweaty, pulsating nightclub vibe with like a little bit of reds and blacks. And okay. Like, I can see I can see this. Yeah. Um I'll tell you one thing I would have killed to see is Wilson Germain Heredia just scrubbed that last note. Oh, that's true. Take me, take me, take me off. and again if you want if you really want your mind to be just blown five days to sunday like watch the final cast in their live production (laughs) the the actor playing angel like counter tenor goodness just like destroyed everything oh my god do you have any other thoughts because i got i got a live production (laughs) the live production they tried to do a few years ago Oh yeah, well, the one with uh, Vanessa well, Hudgens. That doesn't count for this movie. We don't. I, we're okay, fine. fine. The only other flats I have is um, I don't think I have any other flats. It's such a good movie. Uh, okay, so I agree with you with the cutting of "We're Okay," "Christmas Bells," all the other ones, mm-hmm. uh, like the songs, the tune-ups and voicemails, and New Year's Eve A and B. Fine, you can cut those. Like, mm-hmm. make those dialogue if you have to. Yeah. I felt another flat is that there are too many silent moments in a, in a musical set in New York where there, there's a lot of establishing shots that happen. So you hear a lot of like the hustle and bustle mm-hmm. of like car horns honking in the background, but there's just too many of them. Can you give me an example? So like Mark listeners, an example. So the one that comes to mind is Mark, going from Tango Maureen to Life Support. Mm-hmm. And so you actually see him running across the street to go to the, ooh, is it a church? Is it a school? No, it's a community center. They go to the Ryder community, community center. center. 
that's it to go to the community center and i'm just like i i don't need this second of movie. watching him go somewhere yeah yeah okay i can i can i can i can dig it yeah i feel you i don't that. need that there's also going into over the moon where i was just like i don't need to see this like just be there see that whole problem would have been resolved if we had christmas bells <laughs> just saying just saying that problem would have been completely resolved if we had done christmas bells because all that cacophony there's that moment right before that leads perfectly into over the moon yeah because like yeah. they they do a lot of montage moments mm-hmm. uh, especially in like without you like that's beautiful that's mm-hmm. really all you need to do if you wanted to like add we're okay and that be a montage moment fine yeah but I like, I don't need you to like tell me we're going to this thing or that thing, or like spend an extra few seconds on the engagement announcement for Maureen and Joanne, oh God, yes. <laughs> which is only in the movie. I had to. Re- it really is, yeah. I had to like look it up and be like, "This oh. is the, just the movie, right? This isn't in the show. Nope, not in the show at all. Just the also movie. another another. It's a very minor flat." <laughs> uh, um... <laughs> Uh, it's just like a really, really small thing that obviously if we would have done, if they would have tweaked the rating to R, it would have made sense why they changed it. But um, speaking of that segment, uh, you know, I didn't pierce my nipples because it grossed you out. Uh, I didn't stay and dance at the, in the movie, they say the kink club, yeah. but in the musical, it's the clit club. Uh, Oops, sorry. Am I not allowed to say that? Nope. You can. <laughs> fracking? A... A fracking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a uh, explicit content you know you get the little e before like around there i feel so, I feel so popular <laughs> <laughs> i also have a minor flat in uh what you own mm-hmm. mark quits to the air yes oh my god <laughs> yes we, my partner and i said the same thing we're like he's just screaming out to the, the abyss i quit if it only were that simple if it only were that simple to just quit like that. Just like, there were cell phones in 1990. There were bricks. There were Nokias. We had them. There was something, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you could have, or you could have started, you could have like flashed to him on the phone and then. Or or just go straight to, uh, yeah. Like it could even be a voicemail. It could have been him in person or just whatever. I mean, it doesn't make sense because Alexi, Mark, call me hypocrite, yeah. But like something, just not, don't scream out into the air. Into the void. <laughs> and one of the things, that, it's not cheesy, but it kind of is cheesy in my head that we just almost witnessed Mimi, we witnessed Mimi die right. at the end of the movie, at the end of the show. She wakes up, she has the whole moo, I jumped over the moon, I saw Angel, blah, blah, blah. And poor Mark is just like, can I show you guys my movie? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, the, we just witnessed a girl die and come back to life. And Mark's like, let me just play this movie for you guys. <laughs> let's, let's lift the mood up even more with my documentary. <laughs> with my documentary with our dead friend in it. <laughs> From this movie soundtrack, are there any songs you'd like to add to your life's playlist? I personally just wrote the whole album. I mean, I know I'll I mean, skip you're some not songs wrong. here and there, but like, you're so not wrong. I didn't want to sit down and list all of them because, <laughs> I mean, like there are ones that I would skip depending on my mood. But yeah, like, I'd you. listen to the whole thing over. Yeah, and over that's again. this is an album that I could definitely listen to 
back to front and but it also depends on my mood like if i'm going through an existential crisis definitely you know will i will be on there <laughs> my 30th birthday <laughs> coming up soon <laughs> will i would be on there um you know without you would probably be on there but just like as a general wash like songs that would be on my life playlist i think what you own would be one of mine and finale b oh, i'm still gonna stick to the whole oh but you asked me songs album. in particular i will join you on the whole album being there but if i had to pick if you had like if you had oh, to no. against the wall no 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 there's there is none of that on this podcast <laughs> we can there are no rules so we can break them if we want to um, then I'll say this. I'll have the entire filmed production, final filmed production as a, on my life's playlist. Thank you very much. There you go. <laughs> I know I didn't put this on the outline, but I'm going to, I usually ask uh, people this, who would you want to play in, if you could have a pick of any role, no matter what, who would you want to play? In this, in Rent or uh, just a musical in general? Let's say in Rent, in Rent, because that's what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> but if it's... It doesn't have to be the movie. It could be the stage version of Rent. How's that? Um, you know, it's fascinating because realistically, I don't think I can play a role like a Roger. I would never, I don't think I'd want to be a Roger. I think I would want to be either a Mark or a Collins, but vocally I can't sing that low. So I can't, I can't do that. Like I, I bought him out like, be my lover. <laughs> like it, just, it just quivers. But I think Mark would be would be fun to play it because, you know, I've seen productions where Mark is just, he's a wallflower, but it also, you know, it'd be fun to see, it'd be fun to play on that almost existential, existential crisis. That's the, the word I'm going with because I'm nearing 30. That crisis that he goes through of always being behind the camera. You know, we, we see it a little bit when Maureen snatches the camera from him in the movie and films him a bit in happy new year or where happy new year would be but it'd be fun to see see an actor really dig into that do i continue freelancing i i I deserve to be behind this behind the camera my life isn't as important as what i'm filming and showing the world my goal is to do this film this documentary that really shows me and my friend's life all this stuff it would just be fun to explore that also he has some pretty cool songs and you get to sing mucho masturbation um <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. masturbation Said, we come to the end of the podcast oh my we did it yeah. we did it <laughs> is there anything you'd like to plug promote follow me on uh on tiktok s-k-p-a-b-s s-k-p-a-b-s um and uh you can find all my socials from there and also um y'all let's keep masking up because we need to get theater back on its feet please put on a mask even if you've gotten the vaccine, mask up. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Um, and if you want to talk about uh, rent with us <laughs> or me, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll pass it along to Saeed. Um, you can email me at buttasongpod at gmail.com. Oh, um, on... you can email me, email me too. That's a cool thing. That's <laughs> <the> thing. <laughs> I'll, fo- I'll forward any comments you guys have about rent to Saeed <laughs> and he'll read them at your leisure and grade you on them. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Buttersong Pod. Did we miss anything? I mean, we talked about a lot of stuff. We I did gave talk you, about a lot. I gave you some nuggets of trivia. There's also a lot of other trivia that like people know. Like, well, people know, and you know, the people that don't know now know. Now know. And if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, 
we're going to be talking about Sing Street. Well, say thank you so much. I, I'm probably going to have to have you come on again at some point. <laughs> talk yes, about something else. Yes, yes, yes. I'm I know you. I know you want to do the final episode, the final, uh, the final performance, performance, but. Mm, I have something else in mind that I'll tell you off cam. Uh, yeah. Well, after we're done recording. Let's do it. I'm always down. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> bye for now, everyone. Goodbye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.